Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie and we've got so many people on here today for our Premier League season preview that I'm not going to creatively introduce them all. So without further ado, hello Tom Woodhead. Hi, it's not as much fun when you can't have a go at Darren, is it? (laughs) Yeah, I know, exactly. So we'll hold that off till the midweek when I shall be back lambasting Darren to my heart's content. Hello Joe Hill. Hello, nice to be here again. And hello Tom Alderson, there's a four, four of us this week, so hello Tom. Hello, it's nice to be back on, I haven't been on for a while. Mm, yeah, you've been jollying off playing tennis, I believe. I've yeah, been uh, coaching tennis and I've managed to squeeze two holidays into the, a small window that the government's allowed me, so it's been <laughs> I've been quite lucky really. Disgusting, absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Right, today, as I've mentioned, it's our Premier League season preview, and rather than doing what everyone else does and sort of running through various criteria and categories, I've thought of a different way of doing things, which is, I've called it over-under, but I don't think it really is technically over-under stuff, but what we've done is we've got competing scenarios in all kinds of different areas that will allow us to talk about the season coming up without troll- uh, just trolling through a load of uh, different categories, um, and yeah, what we'll do is we'll we'll say, do you think that we'll be higher in this sense or that sense? Or do you think this will happen first or that will happen first? And as a result, hopefully by the end of it, we'll have a good sense of what we are expecting from the Premier League. So without further ado, let's jump into our season preview for the Premier League 2020-21. That's really hard to say. Uh, I think I got it right, though. Right. First question. What do you think is going to be higher? Do you think we're going to have a higher finishing position or goals conceded from set pieces? I will jump in with Tom Alderson. What do you reckon, Tom? So we're we saying finish higher finish higher finishing position is higher up the league. Is that not yeah. number? Okay. Um, I'm going to say we're going to concede more from set pieces. Okay. So I'm just trying to think through this the, lo- the logic of this. So basically, if our finishing position is 17, yeah, do you think we'll get more or less set pieces than that? Ooh, that's how I'm oh, looking God. at it. It should be quite a tough question, right? So last season we had 12 set pieces conceded with the proviso that there's obviously six more games. 
um, last season. I've run down a list of the set, set pieces conceded for um, the Premier League last season and Norwich, who obviously went down top of the group with 17 um, goals conceded from set pieces. Then you've got Watford 16, Villa 15, Newcastle 15, Everton 15. And then I've included the 6th and 7th because Arsenal and Chelsea conceded 15 and 14 respectively. So conceding goals from set pieces doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a relegation candidate. So I guess the question is, firstly, where do you think we're going to finish and uh, how many set piece goals do you think we're going to concede? <laughs> um, so I think, say if we conceded 12 last year, I think we'll probably... Impro- I want to say improve. I don't want to sound too confident about that though. Um, with Cock coming in and playing less games, so I'm actually going to change my mind and, <laughs> uh, from what I said originally. But I, f- I think we'll probably finish in sort of that that 13th to 15th region. That's that's. I'm a, a little bit optimistic, but not too optimistic about how we're going to do. Mm. Okay. Anyone got any advances on that? Anyone want to change change the the logic behind it? No, it makes sense. I think I think uh, not having Kiko in goal, fingers crossed, will possibly help as well. I'm going to disagree. I think we're going to concede more set pieces than our finishing position. If that if if, if that makes sense. It's difficult, isn't it? Because when the position changes, the number required changes as well. So it's quite difficult to yeah. wrap your head around it. Yeah. No, it's sort of inversely correlated, isn't it? Joe Hill. Yeah, I think I'm with you, John. Uh... I think we're going to concede. I think we're going to concede more uh, goals from set pieces. I mean, look, even looking at Liverpool in the first week, you you got corner threats from Van Dijk, and then you've got Trent on the free kicks. We could we could concede, you know, one or two just in that game alone. So, and that paired with me being optimistic about our finishing position, which is probably I'd probably say twelfth or thirteenth. So, I think our I think we're going to concede just a couple more than 12 or 13 from set pieces. So let's move on to the next one. The next one is, do you think we will have the higher final points tally? Or do you think the added shirt numbers of our three top scorers, not counting own goals, will be higher than that final points tally? So just so that people can get their heads around this, say we finished with 45 points. Um, and say that our top scorers were Bamford, whose number is 9, Costa, whose number is 17, and Pablo, whose number is 19. Uh, I'm trying to work this out on the fly. I think it's 45. So that would be that would be about, that would would be be bang on the same. So, um, yeah, Joe, what, what do you think about this? High, higher points tally or higher aggregate shirt numbers of our top three scorers? This, this is a really tough one, actually. I was thinking about this quite a bit. I think Pablo... Pablo can get a few goals. I think he could get eight or nine or so if he if he plays regularly. And he's number nineteen, so that already that already takes up quite a lot. And then um, Rodrigo, he's he's played as number seventeen as, and as a number nineteen most of his career. Um, so if we can assume that he'll be number seventeen, then you know him and Pablo, that's already thirty six. So I think I'm going to go ahead and say that the uh, the shirt numbers is going to be slightly higher. I think it's going to be close, but you're looking at sort of 40 points to stay up uh, in the Premier League. That sort of seems to be the magic number. And I think we'll do a little bit better than that. But yeah, I think with with Pablo and Rodrigo both having high shirt numbers, that's going to overtake it. Mm. Any different logics from Tom Woodhead? 
I'd say click seems to be the extinction event of this, doesn't it? Like if click <laughs> does well, then we've got no chance of, uh, you know, unless something really weird happens. Um, it, it, playing this game, it makes me feel a little bit like Lisa Simpson's Lisa Simpson, that Simpsons episode where she goes to a hyper intelligent friend's house and they play that game where they um, think of a celebrity and have to think of an anagram of that celebrity's name that also describes that person. I feel a <laughs> little bit unprepared for this one. Um, so, Alec Guinness, genuine class. Um, no, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd probably agree with Joe, but as I say, if Click does well in terms of scoring, then we've got absolutely no chance of getting more points than that, I don't mm. think. And Britney Spears is an anagram of Presbyterianism, but I don't think that's going to help us <laughs> out at all. Yeah, Tom Alderson, what do, you, what do you reckon? Yeah, Click is definitely the important one in this, but R- Rodrigo, like Joe said, the, he's had number 17 and 19 his whole career, pretty much, but we've already got those numbers filled, so... If he's given number six, might probably edged it towards points tally, but I, I don't know. Because I, I would say, I don't know um, what you think the three top scorers would be. I'd probably say it'd be Bamford, but or Bamford, Rodrigo and Pablo. If anyone, did, does anyone disagree with that? They're probably the most likely, aren't they? Yeah. So what are you doing? What are you going for? Oh, I'm gonna I'm going to go shirt numbers just because it seems safer with click. Being potentially in there. Yeah, I'm going to go with share numbers as well. Uh, but again, if Rodrigo de Paul does arrive at the club, that will be another spanner thrown into the works of that one. Uh, the next one, first uh, sort of negative barbed one. Do we think that the the number of own goals this season for us is going to be higher than the number of goals that Jack Harrison scores for us this season? We conceded eight own goals last season. Jack Harrison scored six goals last season. So do we think that um, Jack Harrison or own goals is going to win this season? We'll start with Tom Woodhead, I think. I'm going to go for Harrison with this one because I think a lot of the reason why we scored so many own goals was uh, the fact that defences were sitting back so much against us. Um, so I would imagine we'll probably score fewer own goals this season because we'll score fewer goals in general, but also, as I say, because people are going to sit back a lot. And Harrison might also uh, be affected uh, by the fact that we're scoring fewer goals, but I, th- it's it's all, it's a difficult one, but I'm going to go for Jack. Anyone got any different logics here? No, nah, I think that seems pre- pretty logical. I think Harrison, he, so we've got six... I think that that could be about the same. I think the number of own goals has got to drop off, though, especially um, playing harder opposition. You've got to think. How do we think that Jack Harrison is going to do this season, Joe Hill? It's interesting. It's we've we've been chatting a bit in in the group chat, haven't we, about where Rodrigo's going to play um, and whether that's that sees him sort of displacing Harrison or Costa because that means you have if if Rodrigo comes in in the middle Hernandez will be playing out wide and then Harrison or Costa sort of have to have to drop out the team so i'm not i'm not sure he will do quite the same in getting six goals um and also there's uh, eight less games isn't there so i think he could we could be looking at four or five but i think he could be looking at quite a few assists if he if he gets regular game time um mm. But yeah, it's just it's going to be really interesting the first couple of months to see what starting eleven Bielsa eventually settles on, and whether that does mean that Harrison or Costa eventually is going to be a be a starter on the bench sort of thing. Mm. So, are you going for own goals or Jack Harrison? Um, I think this, despite that, I'm still going to go Jack Harrison just because I think we were unbelievably lucky with own goals this season. It was sort of a ridiculously high tally, um, and. I'm not sure that any team really in the Premier League gets more than sort of three or four own goals in a season. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for Harrison. More goals. I'm going to go for own goals just for the chaos. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be an interesting season from the point of view of Jack Harrison. Again, if we do bring in Rodrigo de Paul, the logical shift then seems to be Hernandez out on the right. Uh, we saw Costa playing on the left um, in the friendly game against Passos this weekend so yeah I'm interested to see how we go around it I don't think Jack Harrison will be getting 90 minutes in every game put it that way whether or not that's going to be 45 minutes from Pablo Hernandez off the bench and then uh, Costa going across I don't know but we'll we we wait to see what happens there right we've got the first one of our sort of timing questions so what comes first are we going to see calls for Bielsa sacking first or the first bad VAR call against Leeds we'll go back to you Tom Alderson I think there'll be some idiotic fan that calls for Bielsa head next Saturday after we lose 6-1. But, <laughs> um, the VAR is just rubbish, in it? So that's going to be going to happen pretty early. That'll probably happen next Saturday as well. So <laughs> can I say a draw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if they're calling for Bielsa at the end of the game, the VAR game, the VAR call would come earlier than that. So uh, you might I'll, be... I'll go VAR. I feel like that's <laughs> the safer option again. Yeah, I think most of us are going to go for that. Anyone got any uh, dissenting voices out there? No, he's bang on. (laughs) (laughs) How are we feeling about VAR in the Premier League, Tom Woodhead? Um, I I just detest the idea of having to wait to celebrate goals uh, with such frequency. It's it's one thing when it happens once in a while and you have a goal disallowed, but when it seems like, you know, 50% of goals, they have some kind of check afterwards, that's probably not... You know that that number's probably not actually fifty percent. It's probably a lot lower. But it, it, just the the idea that getting things correct is more important than um, allowing the, by far the best thing about watching your football team to take place. I just find an incredibly depressing um, outlook. Joe Hill, are you going to be the full whammy of anti VAR calls on this? Yeah, I think I think I'm with Tom on this one. I, I just think that. Now that I've seen it being used in the Prem and in other competitions, I actually think, by comparison, I don't mind a referee making a mistake uh, as much as I do VAR just taking forever and just, you know, and then coming to decisions that no one really agrees on anyway. It's like I would almost prefer the referee just to make a bad decision and then we can all in the stands sort of just chant the referee's a wanker which is a great part of being at a football match anyway um but i don't think there was any chance that say var's a wanker that's just sort of everyone just generally hates it so mm. yeah i'm i'm not really looking forward to it I, I wouldn't mind keeping it for just penalty decisions because that's a situation when players usually stopped anyway or you can wait for play to stop and give them time to look at it but like dampening like the explosion of joy after a goal it's just it seems completely counterintuitive to what football is supposed to be to me. Especially if they're going to call offsides where it's just their big toe was offside or, you know, the, t- the tip of their head. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. Do we think that VAR will go well or badly for Leeds, Joe? It's hard to say, really. It seems like last year there were some teams that uh, just had it terribly with VAR. I mean, I'm actually including Aston Villa in this, and and with that goal, uh, that Sheffield was it the Sheffield United goal that was just a crazy incident. Um, and there was a yeah, there was a couple where just the toes were offside, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's in correlation with where you finish in the league. I think it's just that some teams are going to be completely and utterly unlucky with it. And to be honest, it would be very Leeds uh, for us to have the worst VAR season ever and sort of 
a big accumulation of calls against us. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really optimistic about it in that sense. Mm. Right, let's move on from, from the negativity of, uh, of VAR and move on to the negativity of no fans in the stadium. So we've got another time-based uh, one. So what what is... Uh, actually, no, this is still new, numerical. So do we think there's going to be more fans in the stadium by the last game of the season or do we think there's going to be more all stats aren't we followers on twitter by the end of the season i think we're back around to we'll go to tom woodhead on this i think it depends how determined you are to wind them all up john <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got about nine thousand one hundred or something at the moment right yeah something like that i think um i'd like i like the idea of the stadium being full but i don't think we're going to get much more than nine thousand fans in the stadium at any point um, on the balance of probability, so I'm going to go for followers unless you do something really antagonistic. <laughs> what about if the opposite happens and we do something so brilliant that we end up with more than 37,000 followers? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I can't imagine what that could be. But... Uh, anyone got any raises or, or lowers on this one? I think I'm going to go with fans, because what, what they're talking about at the moment, they're talking about 30% for a bit, then looking to go to 50%. I think that it does depend on what kind of stadium it is, though. And Ellen Road's quite an old one, so it's hard at a social distance. Yeah, you can only get about 10 in the West End, then, if that's the case. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go... I don't know, is, is that pessimistic to say fans? Like, I'm having to go with us, but also saying there's going to be barely any fans in the stadium? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> Joe, what about you? I think all stats aren't we are going to walk it. I think we're going to we're going to explode. <laughs> all right, this year. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm with uh, I'm with Tom in that uh, I, I can't see it being full. I can't see Adam Road being full. And in that sense, I think uh, if all, all stats aren't we has grown so much uh, in the past year, I'm going to put my faith in it and say we're going to be above twenty thousand by the end of the season. Whew. Wow, um, Tom Alderson, we'll go back to you. What, how are you feeling about the the lack of fans in the stadiums in in football? You, obviously, football is about the fans. I'm sure you agree with that. But um, are you going to miss out on the football this season? Yeah, I've I've really missed it. Um, not being here, and it's just like I, it's all right watching games on the TV, but it's just it's not the same. And like I don't even if I went to the stadium and we lost, like I'd still I mean probably had a nice day out probably. Um, so yeah, I just also because we've waited so long to be back in the Premier League, you'd think we'd just we'd just like to be in there a few ta- a few times, even if it's just like we all get to go a couple of times each just to experience it. But we've um, we've last fans in the stadium. Is it is it going to be the same? Are we not? Are we allowed to chant as well? Is this one of those stupid rules that they're going to enforce? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think you can stop people from chanting, can you? That's is that not a, Leeds fans anyway. <laughs> I do yeah. remember immediately pre-lockdown um, guidance was given that spectators shouldn't embrace each other after a goal, which seemed like <laughs> an incredibly pointless piece of advice. Yeah, and I think the one of the provisos to opening pubs for football was that you weren't allowed to shout at the screen or something <laughs> like that, which again seems uh, indicative that probably the people who make the rules probably aren't huge fans of football, which is fine. You don't have to be a fan of football, but uh, it doesn't help that they're morons as well. Um, we've got another one uh, here but in, in the same sort of direction as, as the last one so do we think there's going to be more 45 plus minute um, Bielsa press conferences or games postponed due to COVID um, Tom this was your one so I'll go to you first on this yeah this is a tricky one isn't it um, I it really depends on I think the, the Bielsa press conferences could go both ways I think with the sort of the more moronic elements of the national press it could con 
it could cause him to kind of clam up a bit and speak less, but equally he could be determined to take them on, you know, in open battle and that could result in, you know, a dozen 45-minute plus press conferences and even a very po- pessimistic reading hopefully wouldn't would be that fewer games and that would be postponed due to covid so i'm gonna go for bielsa press conferences but i do think it could go either way yeah and the um the bielsa press conference sort of prides itself on the death by a thousand qualifications doesn't it it's sort of the more the more controversy there is the the more likely he is to sort of draw it out for a long protracted period of time so i suppose part of the the question comes down to whether or not we think there's going to be those long protracted press conferences where people are asking him questions uh, about what's going wrong presumably rather than what's going right so i suppose uh, there is maybe a um, a playing on on the field element to this as well anyone else got um, thoughts on this joe we'll go to you yeah, I agree with Tom. I mean, I think when you consider that we we have to play Chelsea twice, so that's going to be two Frank Lampard <laughs> press conferences where there's going to be all this chat about Spygate and I'm sure that Frank will start whinging again. Um, so Bales is going to have to discuss that. So I think there's going to be more 45-minute plus Bielsa press conferences and hopefully not many games postponed uh, due to COVID at all. And We're going to see as well, I think, certainly elements of of the national media tabloid journalists before every game and sky journalists before every game that we weren't seeing before and i think there are elements of that sort of cohort that that seriously just don't want the questions to be answered they want the generic man manager sort of straight bats and the injury updates and when they ask a question it actually gets answered they get incredibly confused uh, i remember when <laughs> louis van Gaal was managing manchester united and you know whatever you think about van Gaal and man united when 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 he was asked a question about tactics or whatever he would answer the question and people seem to resent him for this uh and i think it's going to be the same but worse with bielsa because not only is he going to answer the actual question he's going to do it in a foreign language <laughs> so you know this this could definitely uh be a big factor i think especially for the first few weeks when people are you know still getting used to bielsa and getting used to his eccentricities that we've been used to for a long time there's going to be so much tiresome debate about it can't wait <laughs> I, li- I like the idea of some of the national press sort of asking a question and phil hay and graham smith looking across the room and going you should not have said that you should <laughs> not have said that i wanted to be home to put the kids to bed <laughs> right so what, what are we going with more uh, 45 minute Bielsa press conferences or games postponed due to COVID Tom Alderson I'm going to go Bielsa press conferences I think I, I haven't heard of many games being called off for COVID um, there was that the Celtic one that springs to mind um, but apart from that I can't think of others so it's, we've kind of proven we can do it within whilst whilst there's uh, all it's going all the COVID stuff's going on so yeah I'm going to go with press conferences Famous last words, perhaps. Um, yeah, Joe, what what are you going with? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same. I'm going press conferences. And Tom Woodhead, guessing you're going to complete the set? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll do the same. So all four for Bielsa press conferences there. Right, I've got a couple of questions about um, the various domestic trophies. So um, both of these time-related. So what happens first? Leeds drop out of the League Cup 
or Leeds get their first win against a, a big six side. So um, to help you out here, I've, I have got the data down. So uh, the first round obviously started this weekend, and then you have very quickly um, the, the next few rounds on fairly consecutive weekends, I think. So uh, the second round um, takes place on the 15th and 16th of September, and then the third round on the 22nd, that weekend of September, and then the fourth round on the 29th of September. Um, final round is 22nd of December semi-finals early in January and then the final is on February the 28th and then the big six fixtures that exist in that time so the first one obviously we've got Liverpool this weekend we have City in early October Arsenal on November the 21st Chelsea early December United midway through December um, and Spurs January the 2nd and then Arsenal on february the 13th again so what are we going for here joe i'll start with you sorry this is a really confusing question because you kind of have to work things out you kind of have to work work out how far you think we're going to get in the league cup and then you have to try and work out whether or not we will have beaten one of the teams that we played before that so what are you thinking well i'll i'll start with the league cup and realistically i mean i think we'll see off hull i think that's the first game isn't it Mm. um and then after that, I think if we get through, we're either playing Charlton or West Ham. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So assuming that West Ham go through, those fixtures are taking place midweek and between our first few games. And it's looking like it'll probably be under 23s sort of thing or just fringe players that are playing in it. So And then round fours at the end of September. So it's still really early. I, I can't really see us progressing that far in the League Cup, actually. I think we we should be focusing on beating Fulham and beating Sheffield United in the league because those are the games that we need to sort of get the points tally up um, and also paired with that when when you look at the big six fixtures you know Liverpool and City uh, are the first two and we're, we're not playing Arsenal until, until late November so yeah I think we're going to be out the league cup first. Hmm. Anyone want to be a little bit more uh, positive than, than Joe there and go with a big six win before the dropout from the League Cup? I would like to... I, I like the idea of us having a good run in both Cups this year, like Bielsa did when he was at Bilbao. So um, I don't know if it will happen, but I hope, actually, that we play relatively strong teams in these games. Not necessarily um, the same team that we're playing in the League, but using it as an opportunity to blood the new signings, certainly like Rodrigo and Koch, and not not use it, not, not t- treating it as a training session, basically, really trying to progress um and if you look at those big six fixtures Liverpool and City I think are both a pretty big ask but we might have a chance against Arsenal or Chelsea or Man United and Spurs I feel like Mourinho is just gonna do a like a kind of ultra version of what teams did in the championship against us probably and uh probably not so much chance there but um so so if if we beat one of those Arsenal Chelsea or United or Manchester United um before uh before round five um so we would have to get through three rounds i think that's doable i'll go for that just to be fun yeah um tom alderson how are you feeling about this one which one of those big six fixtures that we've got coming up do you feel the most positive about uh we're gonna thrash chelsea (laughs) and we're gonna thrash scum so that's easy and then we're gonna get to round five so we're gonna it's gonna be big six first okay um can't that's my very logical reasoning for that (laughs) i am gonna join joe in the in the pessimism camp of course um i think we'll we'll drop out of the the league cup before we beat a top six side um mainly because i think we've under bielsa we've we have clearly not really cared that much about the um 
the League Cup. I think in the previous seasons, we were wanting to focus on the league to win it. And I think this season we'll be focusing on the league in order to not get relegated. So as a result of that, I think, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to take the League Cup with a huge amount of seriousness. Um, then on to the, um, the FA Cup while we're here. Um, so again, another time aspect question. So which one happens first? Do Leeds guarantee safety in the Premier League or do they drop out of the FA Cup? Now, this is um, a little bit more of a tricky one to think through because I have no idea what what match day most um, teams guarantee their safety on, roughly. Um, but I've written down the, um, the match days at the end of the season. So the 35th match day is on May the 5th, 1st. The 30. Oh no, sorry, the 34th is on May the 1st, 35th is on May the 8th, 36th is on May the 11th, 37th is on May the 15th, which is also the, the FA Cup final day, um, and then the, the final match day is May the 23rd. Now, if you look at the dates on the um, FA of the FA Cup, the final is on May the 15th, so right at the end of the season, but then the semi-finals are in midway through April, a month earlier. Um, so you either got to think we're going to go a long, long way in the FA Cup, or you're going to think that we're going to be really, really um, healthy in the Premier League um, in order to answer this one. So who have we not gone with first for a while? Let's go with Tom Woodhead. How are you feeling about this? I think it's difficult to say anything other than um, going out of the FA Cup first, because... I have my hunch is that to actually mathematically guarantee safety for most teams, even in mid table, would happen quite late on in the season. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm basically saying that we're going to get to the final. I think uh, if I if I don't say that, so I, I think that would be a very optimistic pro, uh, projection. So yeah, I'll go for mm. dropping out of the FA Cup first. Yeah, I guess everyone else is probably going to agree with that, given given the caveats. Um, Joe. Yeah, uh, I will agree with that. I think I think possibly uh, if you if you're looking at Leeds getting forty points, which is sort of the benchmark for safety, then it might be a different question. We could, we could look at getting forty points. You know, if we do really well, then February March sort of time. Um, but I think to mathematically guarantee safety, where you know if you in theory lose every game from now on ten nil and Aston Villa or whoever's bottom of the table, uh, which they will be, by the way, um, <laughs> win win every game 10-0, you know. Um, I think that's pretty unlikely. So I'm going to say we'll drop out the FA Cup first. Mm. Tom Alderson, agreed? Yeah, I've got to agree with that. I just, I think even teams that um, survive um, are like a long way off uh, the bottom three, they don't normally survive, um, guarantee safety until like 35, 36, which would mean we'd have to get to the finals. So yeah, I'm going to agree with the others. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Right, we've got now um, lots and lots of questions about various players in our squad, comparing a lot of them to each other. So um, we'll stay with you, Tom Alderson. What is going to be a higher figure? Is it going to be uh, Adam Forshaw Premier League appearances or Manchester City goals conceded, as in goals that we concede against Manchester City? So you've got two games there that could be any number of zero to... 12, 14 <laughs> goals. Um, do you think Forshaw is going to make more Premier League appearances than, than that fictitious number? I've, I'm going to be really pessimistic and say we're going to concede more goals to Man City, as much as that pains me, because I'd love Forshaw to play every game. Um, but like we've, we've seen him at the dentist, didn't we, a few weeks ago, and then I've, just, I've just not seen him <laughs> So he is then. able to walk to the dentist, so you know. That's <laughs> oh, I don't know, someone might have rolled him there. <laughs> just Alioski pushing his wheelchair. So I'm going to go with, we can see more goals to Man City. In many respects, the Man City game versus Leeds United could be the singularity moment, right? Because you can't have both teams underperforming their XG against each other to such an extent that it's unfair. So I suspect that I suspect that you know the end of the world could happen in in our game against City. But um, Joe, what do you feel about the uh, for sure Premier League appearance versus uh, Leeds goals conceded against Manchester City? Just for a difference in opinion, I'm going to sway the other way and I'm going to say Forshaw is going to make more appearances and I think the the majority of those will be sort of February onwards, but um, let's say he makes seven or eight uh, from from then until the end of the season um, and then I'm just sort of praying that we don't get, we you know, City don't just destroy us. Um, but actually they, they don't do that too often. Um, they don't sort of win six, seven, eight nil too often. So um, yeah, I think we'll don't keep. They? Don't they? I'll say that happens quite a lot. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I agree with you on that one. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I think if you looked at the if you looked at their matches last season in the Prem, I think games when they scored six or five plus. I don't know. I think I got a feeling it'll be relatively little. I think most of them were three or four. But um, maybe I'm just talking out my arse and I need to double check my <laughs> my facts. Yeah, so you're going for four sure appearances then. Yeah. And then Tom Woodhead? Yeah, this is possibly more heart overhead, but I'm, I'll go for four sure appearances as well. I assume we're talking about sub appearances as well, not just starts. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. I, I just think if he can get fit at all, he'll he'll make more appearances than that if he can stay fit for any period of time. Because I also think even if he's not starting and Bielsa's settled on a team, he is the kind of player that Bielsa will bring on towards the end of games to keep things under control. So... Mm. I'll go for for sure, but possibly more of hope than expectation. Right. Calvin Phillips. So uh, the question I've got here is, that, is there going to be more Calvin Phillips red cards in the Premier League next season or uh, Frank Lampard beefs with Leeds United next season? We'll go with you, Tom Woodhead. I'm sure you've got something uh, interesting, in- interesting insight into this one. I, I just, uh, what, what's the threshold for a beef? Like, yes. uh, is it is it just Lampard saying, "Oh no, we've forgotten about that," but then talking about it for ten minutes? <laughs> yeah, well, he'll say he'll say, he'll do that thing he does right in the classic, uh, make a joke, then be yeah. like, "Nab it seriously, though." And then I, I reckon, yeah, you'll probably get a few of those, surely. Um, yeah, I, I think he will. He won't be able to not make a comment about Marcelo Bielsa when they play Leeds, and I suspect that he'll do it both times. So you're talking two, two bona fide. Frank Lampard beefs. Yeah, if I, I yeah, I, th- I think I think if we set the threshold fairly low, where it is stuff like that that doesn't really explode into a full-on Spygate saga, then <laughs> I'll, I'll go for the Lampard beefs. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Alderson. Yeah, I think Frank Lampard's going to mention us at least well, a few times, isn't it? Because he just he can't he can't not. And <laughs> like Phillips only got 
one red card, I think, the last each of the last two seasons. Um, so I, d- I just have a bit more faith in Phillips than I think the rest of you do. That I, d- I don't think he's going to get sent off as much. But I, I don't know. So I- I'm definitely going to go with Frank Lampard beefs with, with Leeds. Yeah. Um, Joe, do you think that we're going to see many Calvin Phillips red cards this season? I don't think we will. I think he's. I think he knows what he's done wrong. I mean, last season with the QPR, he, he he's he knows that he can't do that again. And now he's a big big boy England player. Um, hopefully, he'll have a cool head on him. But also, I think that Frank Lampard beefs is going to absolutely smash that. I think in the first, <laughs> even in the first two or three game weeks, I think some journalist is going to bring up Bielsa and Frank's going to have a little whine about it. So I, th- I think, yeah, Frank's going to be on four or five beefs even before we play them. <laughs> we all have to calculate his XB. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty high by the sounds of it. Uh, I'm going to go with two Calvin Phillips red cards this season, but I'm also with Joe on the many beefs. My ex-beef is pretty high when it comes to Lampard, so um, I'm going to go with Lampard as well. Um, speaking of my beefs, my beef with Stuart Dallas uh, gets a, an honourable mention at this point. Um, so the question I've got is, do you think there's going to be more Stuart Dallas shots from outside the box or games missed to injury by centre-backs? Now, I should say that what I mean by games missed to injury by centre-backs is that if uh, uh, um, Liam Cooper misses, say, 10 games this season and Robin Koch misses uh, four games to injury, then you're talking you're talking 15. Uh, and then I, I guess add those, add those up uh, across all of our centre-backs and um, we'll see where we are. Now, I must admit, I didn't expect Stuart Dallas to maybe have had as many shots from outside of the box last season because the total number of shots from outside of the box last season for Stuart Dallas was 44, which is quite a, quite an injury crisis at centre-back um, considering we have so few of them. Um, so, yeah, the, the question is, do you think that, one, Stuart Dallas is going to have more than 44 shots from outside the box next season? And do you think we're going to have wild injury crisis at, at centre-back? So, Tom Alderson, let's start with you on this one. So, if he's, he has about a shot, because he played pretty much every game, didn't he? He has like a shot a game outside the box. Um, we haven't got enough centre-backs to have that many injuries <laughs> shot. Uh, so, yeah, I f- I'm just hoping that Dallas only plays at left-back th- this year. So, hopefully that can restrict him even further and we're a bit more defensive so I'm oh god, I've I'm gonna go with Dallas, but I don't think either of them's gonna be as bad as we think they're gonna be. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Joe Hill. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Dallas has surely got to have fewer than <laughs> forty four shots this outside the box this season because that's pretty ludicrous. Um, but yeah, I think considering how few centre backs we actually have. Um, hopefully there shouldn't be that many games missed to injury. So I think Stewie will will still have more shots, even if it is less than 44. I think the spanner in the works here would be if they offered Berardi a contract just to to tide him through. Um, Because then you're talking, what, 38 games missed to injury already (laughs) off the bat. Um, But I I assume that isn't going to happen at this point. Uh, But yeah, how do you feel... Stuart Dallas is going to be in the in the Premier League. Tom Woodhead, do you do you think that he is going to be sort of our starting centre back roughly, or do you think that he will be in those sorts of situations where he can shoot from the edge of the box and and miss by miles? I don't think Stuart Dallas is going to be our starting centre back now. <laughs> Did I say centre back? Yeah. Left back. <laughs> I, I 
Well, I guess it, I guess it does depend on whether Ailing starts the season at centre back, doesn't it? Because that then would give presumably Douglas his chance to stake a claim. And if he plays well, I don't think Bielsa would drop him if he played well for a few games. Um, so I think I think the smart money probably would be on Stuart Dallas playing at left back more often than any other player in the squad. Um, I guess if we're attacking less and we're camped outside the op- opponent's box less, um, Dallas is probably likely to have fewer shots from long range because that often is a sign of desperation when we're trying to break teams down. So you'd assume that the shot count might be a bit lower. I guess regarding the uh, injury, Mr. Centre-backs, all it would take is one of our centre-backs to get an ACL tear in the first game of the season. And then, you know, that's 38 games missed already, isn't it? So <laughs> An almost certain relegation as well at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think about that. Right, so we're all going for, are we all going for Stuart Dallas? Shots outside the box. Yeah, I'll go for yeah, I'll yeah. Go for yeah. yeah. Right. Helder Costa. Um I've struggled struggle to think of anything interesting about Helder Costa, but this is what we finally alighted on. Do we think that the number of uh points that Helder Costa gets on fantasy football, the official uh, uh Premier League fantasy football um platforms number of points, or leads final expenditure for, of money this summer? Um so we've currently spent 68 million euros. Uh, that's not including Guardiola, who is being touted at 18 million. Um, and that's not taking into account um, Rodrigo de Paul, which could send it quite high. Um, and by way of uh, by way of um, calibration, I suppose, uh, Trezeguet made 96, uh, 98 points last season and uh, Alan San Maximin um, scored 92 points, which uh, I think you put that up there, Tom Alderson, did you? So we'll go with you. What's your reasoning behind these two players? Yeah, I just had a quick skim through the midfielders um, and they were the two I was like, that's about cost, about where I think Costa might be. Like Trezeguet played uh, not all the time for Villa, but he had quite a good end to the season and so did San Maximin, but I think he played more games. Um, I think that's probably... I think 100 points is probably maximum for Costa is what I'm going to say. Um, so I would say we're going to spend more than 100 million. As mm. scary as that sounds. Yeah. Tom Woodhead? Yeah, I haven't played fantasy football for five or six years, so I'm I'm kind of out of the loop on how the points work. But is it like five points for a goal and three for an assist or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then clean sheets for midfielders and yeah. negative ones for red cards and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think if we get... Guardiola and De Paul, it would send it over those averages, wouldn't it? That uh, Tom's put on there. Um, and if we don't get De Paul, you'd think that we'll probably at least try and sign at least one other player, maybe a, a much cheaper player like Kent or something. But um, I, I'm going to go for the uh, uh, the t- expenditure being higher. Yeah, and Joe Hill feeling the same way. Uh, I'm going to shake it up actually and say that Costa's going to get more fantasy points. Um, this is what we've been saying for, for a while now on, on this podcast, that Costa's always better when teams don't sit deep and when he can run and break on the counter. Um, so I'm going to be ridiculously positive and say that he's going to surpass sort of 95, 100 points just because he's getting a lot of assists and the odd goal on the counter-attack. Um, and also to, to have Leeds spend over 100 million euros um, just seems crazy to me. Um I just can't even comprehend that that my little old football club that was from, you know, spent time in League One while I was growing up is now going to spend 100 million euros. So I'm not going to I'm not going to believe that to be true just yet. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the the expenditure being higher than Costa's points. 
um, just to, to wind that one up. Um, Rodrigo, our new signing, and Joe Gullhart, another new signing. So the question here is, are we going to see more Rodrigo under 23s appearances or Joe Gellhart full starts in the Premier League, I'll say. Um, not not just in the Cups, just to make it a little bit more uh, more interesting. So, um, Joe, yeah, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think on this? I struggle to see if Gellhart will make a single start. Um, I think he could come off the bench, but I think you, you're looking at a couple of people, get, like Bamford and Rodrigo, both getting injured. Um, you know, and possibly Roberts as well for him to make a start in the Premier League. Um, and I think Rodrigo will probably play for the under 23s, uh, you know, next week just to get up his fitness because that, that is the Bielsa way. So I think Rodrigo under 23s appearances will comfortably win this. Mm. Tom Woodhead? Yeah, I, I, I think as Joe says, it's hard to see um, Gelhart. Well, certainly it's hard to predict that Gelhart will get a start. I wouldn't be hugely surprised if he starts games. Like in the second half of the season, maybe if he does really well, but it's really hard to confidently say that he will. Um, does Rodrigo under twenty threes um, include him playing in the the uh, EFL Trophy or whatever it's called nowadays? Yeah, let's say let's say no on that. No, given okay. that we said that Gellhart has to play full starts for the actual Premier League side. Yeah, because that is an under twenty one team. I think that's why I was asking. I yeah, I'll go for under twenty three's appearances, but I don't think Rodrigo's going to make many. I think he might make one or two unless he gets injured. So that's that, I guess that's me saying I don't think Gelhart's going to start a game. And Tom Alderson, you're in agreement. I might actually say it's going to be a draw, just to be a bit different. I don't think Gelhart will start at all this season because I think Bamford and Rodrigo, you think, would be the first two that would play, and then. It, Bielsa might even move Jack Harrison across, just because that's the sort of thing he'd do. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just, I don't think he'll play Rodrigo in the under 23s. I think he'll just murder ball him to death and then put him on for a few sub appearances. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's nil nil, and it's a uh, boring draw. <laughs> I'm going to go with yeah Rodrigo under 23s appearances, uh, just to, to finish this one up. Right. <laughs> um, the next one is in is is in homage to uh, Patrick Bamford, everyone's favourite Leeds United striker. So the question is: Do we think that Bamford is going to have a greater xG underperformance, or do we think that we're going to give get more points against the top two? So that's Manchester City and Liverpool. So the question is: How many points do we think that Leeds are going to get against Manchester City and Liverpool, and do we think that Bamford will underperform his xG by more? Tom Woodhead. This is probably head over heart again, but I, I well, for a start, I, I don't think Bamford is going to underperform his XG this season. I think his XG is going to be a lot lower, but I think he's going to roughly match it. Um, and then you're just asking whether we have a chance of winning at least one point against the top two, which is the thing I'm less sure about, but I'll, I'll go for a scrape and a draw against one of them. Okay. Tom Alderson? I'm going to go with Bamford underperforming more than we're going to get a point against the top two. I think we'll get a draw against one but I think Bamford's probably going to miss more chances than one XG difference so I'm going to go with uh, Bamford. Joe how are you feeling about Bamford next season? Yeah it's an interesting one I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him him start I'm looking forward to seeing him play against top opposition and I think he said the same thing where you know it's time for him to sort of prove himself against the best um, but that said I, I still think I'm, I'm in exactly the same camp as Tom Alderson in that I think we can probably expect to get one point maybe against City and Liverpool and I can just see Bamford 
even even an underperformance of 1.5 wouldn't be too bad, and I, I think that that will probably be the ballpark that Bamford's in is underperforming it, not as bad as this year, but still greater than one. I should say at this point that Josh Hobbs has a piece coming out on our free to read uh, medium site this week, I think, where he looked where he's looked through I think <laughs> every shot that. Bamford has taken in the last four God. or five seasons uh, in order to try and work out if there's any correlation between the sorts of shots that he misses and the short, sorts of shots that he doesn't miss uh, to decide whether or not he's going to get more of the, sh- the shots that he doesn't miss in the Premier League <laughs> and thus determine whether or not he's going to be a better finisher this season. So that's something fun for you guys to look <laughs> out for. I'm tempted to agree with with um, Tom Woodhead that I don't think Bamford is actually going to underperform his XG. Um this season so i i actually think that as a result of that um it's going to be points against the top two even though we may not get any points against the top two um because i'm considering zero points to be um better than whatever the inverse of his his overperformance of xg is so we'll go with that Stuart dallas is making another appearance uh, in our in our questions here um so we've got Stuart dallas appearances in midfield versus pablo hernandez and nutmegs which one of those do we think is going to be higher tom alderson i don't know how many um nutmegs pablo hernandez did last season but it must be not insignificant whereas dallas had nine starts in center midfield so wh- what are you going for tom i'm going to go for nutmegs because i just hope that dallas is never seen in <laughs> midfield ever again um so i'm hoping that Pablo, well, Pablo will not make someone at least once, and hopefully Dallas will never be there. So, yeah, yeah optimistically, I'm going to go for Pablo. Jim? Yeah, I think there was a game just after lockdown where Hernandez got at least four or five nutmegs just in one game. <laughs> um, I can't remember which one it was now, but I remember I remember thinking that that was pretty ridiculous. So I think that, that Pablo's going to win this one, not because Dallas won't appear in midfield, because I, I think he probably will at some point. Um but I think Pablo's nutmegs can we can be looking at sort of twelve to fifteen across the whole season, which would be pretty nice. Tom Woodhead, no doubt you've written a poem about Pablo Hernandez nutmegs. <laughs> Not yet. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess it, to pedantically pick over the bones of the question again. Um, I guess it depends whether you mean Stuart Dallas starting in midfield or being moved during a game, because I could see him being moved there for 20 minutes and then moved out again on, and then you know moved in again for 10 minutes at the end of the game and things like that. But if, if we're talking about starts in midfield and staying there for the majority of the game, I'd probably have to go for the Pablo Nutmegs. Yeah, I think Pablo Nutmegs is probably going to be on the up this season, so lots to look out for there. On the subject of Pablo Hernandez, um, we've got a question here about whether or not we think there will be more Pablo Hernandez first-team minutes or total under-23 first-team minutes across the season. Um, I haven't looked this up, actually, but I did look at a, um, a, a, a team minutes plot that was uh, we put this up a few months ago after the season which showed that the under 23s barely got any minutes um at all so um it, it's going to be an interesting question to to sort of pick through this one so tom we'll stay with you um do you think pablo hernandez is going to get a good chunk of time this season and do you think that the under 23s will see much of a um a, of a, sh- a show in on in terms of minutes for the for leads in next season yeah I, th- I think pablo will play quite a lot so it's not looking great for the under 23 in this I mean do we count Shackleton and Stroik as under 23s for this um yeah this is what I was just thinking I think for the purpose of this they are not under 23s I would consider Robbie Gotts an under 23 so Casey, Casey and Creswell yeah, yeah so yeah. players we've basically not seen that much of uh, yeah yeah I'd, I'd have to go for Pablo minutes then 
Anyone want to advance on that? I'm going to agree with that and say Pablo first team minutes. I think people seem to think that he's just going to start on the bench like he did after post lockdown, but I, I can't see that happening. He's just too good a player to have on the bench. I, that was probably just through um, uh, injury more than anything. Mm. So I, I think Pablo's going to get plenty of minutes and the under 23s might even get less minutes than they did last year. Yeah, we were playing two games a week as well at that point, and yeah. now we're in the Premier League, it's going to be one Premier League game most weeks. So, And Pablo played a full 90, I think, pretty much against Passos, so that's um, a good indication that he might be playing four games. Joe? Yeah, exactly the same for me, exactly the same logic. I think Pablo's going to walk that one. Right, we've got a question about substitutes. Obviously, there's there's lots of questions about what's going to happen with, with subs in, in the Premier League. I think they... Got rid of the five subs rule, but they allow nine subs on the bench. Um, anyway, we've got a question about whether or not there are going to be more matches with no subs at all, or more Leeds games with no subs at all, versus nil-nil draws. So let's kick off with you on this, Joe. What you, what's your thinking behind this? Well, it's an interesting one. Um, just thinking about how many nil-nil draws we're going to get. Um, I think there are certain teams in the Premier League that almost play for that from the off. Um, I think Burnley could be could be a nil nil draw quite easily. Um, maybe even a team like Crystal Palace, um, if Zaha isn't really doing anything, uh, which he didn't do too much last season. So actually, I, I'm I'm going to say there's going to be more nil nil draws because I think there'll be I think there'll be three or three three or four and matches with no subs. I, I don't think Bielsa will do that. I think he'll even when it gets to sort of ninety minutes, he'll he'll just make a, a quick sub to. Hernandez or something just uh, to give his legs a rest. Tom, I think this was your suggestion, uh, at least the, the the subs one. So, do you? Sorry, Tom Woodhead. Do you think this was um, th- that means that there is a chance that there could be some games without subs? I think it might have been Josh that added the the no subs thing. Actually, I think I had the other part of the question, but um, uh. Uh, the, but yeah, I, I, he has. I feel like there were more matches like that in Bielsa's first season than in his second season where we didn't make subs. Last season, he seemed much more often to bring Shackleton on on like the 89th minute or thing in, in those games. Um, but equally, I mean, exactly like Joe, when when I thought of nil-nil draws next season, I immediately saw Sean Dyche walking towards Marcelo Bielsa with his hands outstretched, celebrating a, a, a nil-nil draw. Well done. But um, I don't think, I, I think it's quite likely that we won't have any nil-nil draws because as we've seen I think we had one in each of the previous two seasons under Bielsa I think Sheffield Wednesday last season and Middlesbrough the season before uh, there might have been one or two more but um, I think what happens when, we, when we're when drawing nil-nil is we just as the game stretches on we throw more and more men forward and it usually results in us scoring or the opponents scoring so I don't think we're really a team built for nil-nils. And Tom Olderson any advance on that? No yeah, I've got to agree with what Tom's saying I don't think we'll see many nil-nils um so I think I'm just I'm going to go with more matches with no subs. Yeah, I think more matches with no subs too. I can't see us getting many nil-nil draws. Andrea Radrizzani, the owner of this esteemed football club, um, has has made an appearance. I think this is this has got all the uh, makings of a of a Darren Driver question all over it. So um, he he asks, do we think that there will be more Radrizzani PR horror shows? Or January transfer signings. Um, let's stay. With, let's go with Tom Woodhead on this because I'm sure he's got some takes on Radrizzani. Well, we've got that third, that maroon third kit to come, haven't we? <laughs> um, I think we can chalk that one up straight away. Um, 
and I don't think we'll make any first team January signings. Um, so I'm gonna have to go for the Rad's PR horror shows because he might always he's all could also take us to I don't know tour Iraq or something like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a possibility. Um, Joe Hill, do you wanna do you wanna add anything to this? Yeah, actually, I was in relation to the last question. I was thinking that this was going to be a nil-nil draw because. I can't really see any of them happening, but if we are counting the maroon kit, um, uh, I think that's going to go down very, very badly. So uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be one nil to the horror shows with that mm. logic. Okay, and Tom Alderson. I think as long as Rad Rosani's still got Twitter, then he's <laughs> going to have at least two or three, isn't he? <laughs> I, d- I think they might have um, Orta and I don't know, maybe the Elsa as well might have learned from the last few se- uh, couple of seasons that anyone that was signed in January hasn't really got involved. Um, just because it just takes so long to get up to speed with what Bielsa wants, that they don't really play a part. So I, f- I can see them sort of holding back on January signings. So I think Radrizani is going to absolutely uh, win this one easily. Yeah, and I must admit that I'm very keen to get my hands on a maroon kit, um, <laughs> the, the piss boiler that I, I like to call it, the piss boiler. So yeah. <laughs> if when that comes out, I will be straight down to the club shop um, and queuing round the corner, no doubt, uh, as, as as people flock for for that one. Right, another. I feel like we we spent a lot of time talking about centre back injuries, um, but we got another question. To, we had to sort of try and shoehorn in a question about Alioski. So do we think that there are going to be more Cooper games lost to injury or Alioski starts in the Premier League? Now, um, by way of context, Cooper missed six games last season and eight the season before. So I guess the question is, Joe Hill, do we think that there's going to be more Cooper injuries than there have been in recent seasons? And how much playtime do we think Alioski is going to get? I think Alioski will get a decent amount of playtime, but I'm not sure that he he will start many games um, unless we do see a lot of injuries. Um, we saw Bielsa putting some faith in Douglas after the after lockdown, um, so I think if anything, Douglas is is more likely to start than Alioski. Um, yeah, so with so with that, I think Cooper games lost to injury has to be has to be more. Uh, I think. He he will probably get injured at some point. He's he's in his thirties, isn't he? So um, yeah, I think Cooper's going to win that one. Any advances on this, Tom Woodhead? Yeah, I, I'd say yeah. Pragmatically, we've got to assume that Cooper's going to miss a similar amount of games, so five, six, seven, eight. And Alioski starts. I could see um, certain managers playing Alioski on the wing against the you know the really big sides because he's got all that energy and pressing. But Bielsa doesn't really make personnel changes to counter specific opponents so I would guess yeah unless we have a lot of injuries um, Cooper's probably going to well win in inverted commas that one Tom Alderson Alioski didn't make that many starts uh, it's like the second half of the season did he unless I'm mistaken he, he made a few on the wing after lock after lockdown but he said you know, he didn't like go out of favour but he just wasn't in the preferred 11 I think a couple, I, a couple of those starts as well were because Alioski's teetotal and half the players were still pissed as well <laughs> that's true so so yeah I think I don't see Alioski getting that many starts so I'm going to go with Cooper I think Alioski 
really was one of the players who lost out after we had that slump mid-season. Um, I remember us having loads of conversations about how many goals were coming through the left-back area when he was playing left-back. Um, and I think that was the point at which Alioski was only ever really used as a sub from then on. And I suspect in the Premier League that will be will be quite similar. So I think I'll, I will agree with, with the Cooper side of this question. I think there will be more Cooper games lost to injury than there will Alioski starts. A couple more questions. Firstly... Obviously, we've got to talk about Luke Ayling. And when you talk about Luke Ayling, you have to talk about the Ayling flop. So we've got another time-based one. What comes first? The first Ayling flop or the first goal, Tom Alderson? I was just looking through the fixtures. So I was thinking Fulham at home, second game. That's, we're probably going to score in that one. And I don't see us scoring against Liverpool. Um, but I just I think Ayling will probably flop against Liverpool. Someone will, <laughs> Mane will probably push him in the back and then he'll go down and land on the ball. So I'm going to go ailing first game and then score in the second game. Tom Woodhead, I I have no doubt that you've got some <laughs> kind of qualifying question about what constitutes an ailing flop, right? Not this time. I I, I know full well what an ailing flop is. <laughs> um, I I would uh, my two uh, the two narratives that seem like the obvious ones for the Liverpool game to me are going to be that we're either going to score very very early and then go on and get thrashed five one, or we're going to hold it at nil-nil for ages and then Liverpool are going to score right at the end. So in the first case, it would obviously be the first goal and in the second case, it would be the ailing flop. So I'll go for the ailing flop because he's going to do one pretty early on, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> I, I think if there were fans in the stadium, he'd probably do one in the first minute, even if there was no one around him just to hear the way. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll go for the ailing flop. Joe Hill, you strike me as a man who is all about the ailing flop. Absolutely, I love it. I love it. Um, and I was when I was just thinking, yeah, I think there's going to be one in the first five minutes. Even <laughs> um, I can just see Liverpool kicking off. I can see Van Dijk launching it over to the left to Mane, and Robertson's bombing up behind Mane, and then <laughs> Ailing just gets his body in the way. With, I think it's going to be first ten seconds, even. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think Ailing Flop is comfortably going to win that one. I will complete the whatever a, a, a four version of a trinity is there, quadrinity, and I'll <laughs> go with the Ailing Flop there too. Final question. I feel like I, I feel like I should have had a more profound final question than this. Maybe I'll ask a, a more profound final question. Uh, but in terms of the over or under um, the questions, do we think there's going to be more consecutive Mateusz Click? starts this season or do we think that uh, Rodrigo de Paul's final price will be higher and I'm including with this we're pretty sure that Rodrigo de Paul is moving somewhere Um, so uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be to Leeds United so um, Click played I don't know how many games last season consecutively missed one didn't he so it must have been about 30 how many how do they play 46 so it must have been about 44 maybe I think he maybe missed the uh, penultimate one um, and Rodrigo de Paul could could be quite high, but we're assuming that Click doesn't miss any games. So the question is, will will Click play all the games this season, or will he uh, miss a game earlier on? And and Rodrigo de Paul's final price will pip him to the post. Tom Woodhead, let's go with you. Sorry, but is this in euros or pounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went with euros on the other one, didn't we? So should yeah. we go with euros on this one? And and they want about thirty five million euros, do they, or something like that? that that's what they're asking I heard for. I heard that Leeds had offered between twenty-five and thirty million pounds. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're on your own here, mate. I'm sorry. Um, I'll go for I'll go for the final price being higher because I could see Click for whatever reason having a game or two where he doesn't play. 
Tom Alderson? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think I've I've seen the the price is like 25 to 30 million something, um, and I just think Click will probably miss a game. For, I, I don't know why, for what reason. Probably just drunk again. If there's <laughs> a reason to do that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for the final price. And Joe Hill. Yeah, I think this one is related to Foreshore playing as well. Um, when you think about that, so I think now that Foreshore's uh, been ladding around, going to the dentist and getting his <laughs> uh, getting his dental hygiene in good shape, that he's not far off uh, making a Premier League appearance. Um, so therefore, I think that Click will miss a game and he won't start as many consecutive games. So RDP's final price is is going to win that, I think. Well, there we go. And that brings us to the end of our over-under questions, but I will ask you all a maybe slightly more profound question about the season coming up. We'll start with you, Joe, as we've just talked to you. How are you feeling about the season and how do you expect Leeds to get on? I'm looking at us finishing comfortably between 12th and 16th. Um, I don't think it's going to be a relegation scrap. Um, I think we'll just be sitting nicely uh, in sort of the Crystal Palace Brighton zone from last year. Um, it's going to be quite interesting getting used to losing a lot more games. Um, that's going to be a feeling that all Leeds fans are going to just have to get a bit more used to and just look at the performances overall and sort of try and take positives that way. So we that's did that gonna... for 14 years, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Who remembers what losing is like? Not me. <laughs> it would be my team losing yeah. lots of games. I, I'm very used to it, actually, uh, <laughs> it, in the past 14 years. But, I mean, I guess the past two seasons I'm just blissfully unaware of what it feels like to lose more than 10 games a season but um no I'm feeling quite good yeah I'm I'm feeling good that we can hopefully uh stay up comfortably and then look forward to the future after that mm. Tom Alderson I think we're going to get the Champions League that's <laughs> what I'm going to go for um I th- but you know I'm, I'm pretty similar to Joe I think we're going to do all right I don't I could see a sort of maybe flirting with relegation around Christmas and then sort of coming good and finishing 10th 12th um, I'm not worried. I probably should be, but I, th- I think we're going to do all right. Yeah, and Tom Woodhead. I- I'm incredibly excited uh, just to have uh, kind of new additions to the canon rather than going over old things, which eventually it doesn't give you anything after a while, whereas new, new matches where anything could happen, it's it's exciting to, to think that we're only six days away from that. Um, I... I think it's incredibly important that we win one of our first two or three games. Uh, I remember when Bielsa first came, there's, there's always been a lot of stuff about Bielsa not celebrating goals, but he massively celebrated those goals against Stoke because I think he knew in his head, if I push these people like a madman for six, seven weeks in the in pre-season and then you know, it doesn't work when we get to the first few games, they're going to lose faith in the methods. And I think we almost have to renew that faith by proving that it can work in the Premier League. So I think if we can start well, um, at least perform well against Liverpool and then pick up some points in the next few games, we could be looking at pushing up to mid-table. If not, it's going to become a scrap and it could get dicey much more quickly and we you know, we could be around the bottom for most of the season. So it's hard to make a prediction, but I'm hopeful for you know comfortable upper mid-table, uh, lower mid-table, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm often accused of being negative about Leeds' chances in the Premier League. I do think we will. It won't be as easy as a lot of people think this this season. But I am incredibly excited about, as you say, um, in in the beautiful way that you often do, uh, Tom. The the additions to the canon are going to be great. It's going to be something different. It's going to be uh, tactically interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. There's going to be close fought games. Um, we're not going to have that expectation every week of having to win, which I think will will take a lot of pressure off what we're used 
to. Um, I think it's quite fun to be underdogs. So I'm incredibly excited about this season. So we begin our season's calendar this week on Wednesday, would you believe it? There'll be various things out. We'll be back into the swing of things. Uh, I will get a tactics thread out for the Liverpool game. We have a preview podcast uh, coming out on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, one way or the other. Uh, We have a guest who is going to talk about Liverpool on there. So we'll have our opposition view guests on. Uh, We've got a guy called John O'Sullivan who does a lot of stuff at Anfield Index. Other than that, if you like our stuff and you want to get more of our stuff than is available on our Twitter, then head over to our Patreon where we have a lot of bonus stuff out. I'm currently working on a couple of things. I'm hoping that I'll be able to get hold of a video from the game yesterday and I can do a five things we learned video analysis, just looking at some of the stuff that happened in terms of the tactics that are used and what we can pick up from that and and in terms of uh, how Leeds might play this season. If I can't get hold of that video, I've got another video up my sleeve um, looking at of all teams, RB Leipzig against Atletico Madrid in the quarterfinals of the Champions League this season because they used a 3-3-1-3 that was basically stolen straight from uh, Marcelo Bielsa. So I'm going to look at that and try and determine whether or not we can learn anything about how Leeds will play in elite football. What did Marcelo Bielsa's tactics look like when played at the highest level? So um, if you fancy any of those things head over to our patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we and sign up over there three people who have done that recently are simon thompson anthony williams and jack guy so thanks for coming on board guys but all that's left for me to say is guys thank you so much for coming on and i hope you look forward to the season deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.